Stuff is stuff, but time is something you can't get back. And what most people wish for during this holiday, if they pull away all the material goods, is that they had more time with the people they love. They had more time with themselves to experience the joy and beauty and everything else that happens to be going on. Express your faith or whatever those stories are, whatever those things are that really make you feel grounded and loved. Time is limited. The reality is time we can't get back. And so what I really want here is for us to not spend time fretting about things that make us feel bad about ourselves, about making choices we didn't want to make or falling off the wagon or whatever story you want to call it. I don't want to spend time wishing my holiday was different. I don't want to spend time wishing that I didn't say yes to that when I did. I want to spend my time doing the things I love with the people I love. Because at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, that's all that matters. Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. Hey there, are you over 40 and finding that a good night's sleep feels like a distant dream? Have no fear, I have cracked the code. I am offering a free ebook, A Woman's Guide to Kick-Ass Sleep, with insights tailored just for you. So, if you're ready to dive into the secrets of sound sleep after 40 and wake up refreshed, zip over to sleep.hormoneshelp.com and snag that ebook. Your dreamy sleep awaits. Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. So today, I want to help you navigate the last few weeks of the holiday season. This will be coming out basically the week before Christmas. And I want to give you some of the tools and strategies that I use with my clients every day to help navigate this time period for multiple reasons. You know, first I can tell you, I would say a complicated relationship with the holidays. Growing up, we moved around a lot as a kid. I was never really around family members outside of my immediate four-person family. We never really lived close to aunts, uncles, cousins. We did for just a very short period of time, but it was far enough away that we only saw them a, a little bit. And I was dramatically younger than everybody else. So it wasn't necessarily this huge Norman Rockwall painting sort of Christmas experience for me. And actually, I'll tell you a funny story. We moved from Hawaii. I know that sounds amazing, but we lived in Hawaii when I was very, very young, and we moved to New Jersey, <laughs> Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I was probably the most angry child you had ever seen on earth. And uh, we get to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and it is in the middle of the 70s with you know astronomical gas prices, astronomical interest rates. My parents couldn't sell their house in Hawaii because the economy was so bad that it just wasn't going to work. So they're trying to figure out how to cobble things together 
to get a home and we ended up renting an apartment while they were trying to sort of figure out this financial picture, you know, because back in the day, if, if there's any young people listening, we didn't have a lot of assistance from companies and other things when we were getting relocated by the company. They were just like, get your butt there, right? You know, they, there, weren't, there weren't the benefits package that you see today in a lot of corporations. So we were in this apartment and our stuff was coming on a boat, having to go through like the Suez Canal, and it was on the slow boat, <laughs> like slow boat, like our entire household of furniture took over six months to get to us. So my parents were like, we're not going to buy all this stuff because we're not going to need it because our stuff is eventually going to get there. So we're in this little tiny apartment and we don't have any of our furniture, any of our clothes other than the few things that we packed. And we don't have our Christmas stuff. We don't have anything. And so my parents, <laughs> my dad, I have, I have a feeling he just went somewhere on the side of the road and cut down a Christmas tree. My parents were really tight with money, especially during this time. They were very tight with money. He comes home with this small Christmas tree because we didn't have a big space to put it in. And I'm pretty, like I said, I'm pretty sure he just stopped on the side of the road and cut it down. And so we had to, you know, put some decorations on it. So we actually did popcorn strings and other things. Because again, we had all this stuff in storage. It was like, why go buy a whole bunch of new stuff when, you know, we had things that were meaningful and were really important to us as children in the storage that was on the slow boat. But you know what? And I remember the biggest Christmas gift I got that, that year was a slinky. Like that slinky was like, this is amazing. And my brother immediately within a very short period of time broke it. But, you know, I look at that. The funny thing is, is that's the holiday I remember the most from my childhood. And I was four going on five. I mean, I was little, but I remember that one, the one with the least amount, the one with the least commercial beauty, the one with the food spread that was much smaller, the one that was probably pressing my parents' capacity to do anything at that time. And so what I want to do today is help you not have a holiday where you have to use popcorn because it's the only thing you've got, but I want to help you put some context around the holidays and give you some strategies, tools, and techniques to also go through the holidays and preserve your desired outcomes. Because the other thing that I hear for the last two decades in my personal practice is how much people just fall off the wagon. And if you were watching this on screen, you would see me do air quotes. We fall off the wagon during the holidays and we lose this like, we have this two month sort of pitfall that everybody falls into and nothing really happens. And so, what I want you to do is, if, even if you got into the pitfall, we don't need to stay in that pitfall through the 15th of January, because that's on average where people start to sort of dig their way out, right? So I wanna give you those strategies to make it through the rest of the holiday season. And I also wanna maybe help you put some thoughts in place that maybe if you find the holidays a little bit challenging, you know, and, and you're really looking for, I, I would rather feel a little more passionate about them, maybe a few ideas around that too. I'm not a wizard when it comes to that, but you know, there's different ways to look at things. And I just have a unique way of looking at it. So the average American gains seven pounds between basically November 1st and January 2nd. So that's a, that's a pretty astronomical leap, honestly. It, that takes a lot. So we know that calories are, that, that whole calorie thing has kind of been debunked. Yes, if you eat too much more than you expend, you will gain weight. But a calorie of carbohydrate is different than a calorie of protein is different than a calorie of fat because of the way the body metabolizes those things and the hormones that are involved. However, in order for us to use the sort of concept, you have to eat like 3,600 calories to gain a pound, right? An additional 3,600 calories that you're not burning. And so people will go, well, I don't think I'm doing that. I, 
my bet is you probably are and you don't know it, right? Because there's so many pitfalls and caveats to what happens in the holidays, what we do with food and parties and all those other things that makes this so much more difficult, right? So the first strategy is don't invite the enemy to the table. So the strategy is the overarching concepts. It's the effort we're going to, right? The tactics are the actual one, two, three, what am I doing? Right, so what does it mean to not have the enemy at the table? So most of the time during the holidays, I just hosted our company party on Saturday and it was great and we had wonderful food, but we had food that we don't normally eat, right? You know, somebody bought like a gluten-free green bean casserole. I don't eat green bean casseroles. You know, it's not that I have anything morally against green bean casseroles. I just, it's not something commonly in my diet, but it is one of those foods that we associate with the holidays. Right. So the enemy at the table is the stuff that we bring into our life that we don't normally eat. And it's also the enemy at the table is the parties and buffets and dinners that we go to. And what happens is, is we have a plethora of stuff that we don't normally eat. Well, I hate to break it to you, but we are visual hunters. What does that mean? We see food, we start experiencing digestion and all of our just ancestral activity in our brain lights up. The amygdala, you know, lights up and starts dumping dopamine. It's like dopamine's an anticipation neurotransmitter, right? You get more hit from anticipating what you're going to enjoy than actually enjoying it, right? Which is really important. But, you know, so take a moment to imagine you're standing over a gigantic dessert buffet table, right? So there's brownies, there's chocolate, there's, I don't know, ice cream, there's pies, there's cakes, right? Take just a moment, close your eyes and sort of visualize what that would look like to you. Right now, in this moment, your body's starting the digestive process through the cephalic phase of digestion. That's the brain phase. Cephalic means head. Brain phase of digestion. Our body cannot tell the difference between what you visualize, what you see, and whether you're actually doing it, right? That's why we use visualization and athletics and other things because your body will go through the motions and actually experience the experience even though you're not necessarily doing all the things. So the reality is if I have a big giant buffet table and I'm standing over it for 20 minutes looking at everything and then also saying to myself, oh, that looks so good. I can't eat it. Oh, that looks so good. I shouldn't eat it. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't do that, which you're shooting all over yourself, right? So at the end of the day, your body's already started that and you go, well, you know, so my body's thinking about that. No, it's actually started to produce amylase, which is the enzyme that breaks down sugar in your saliva. It started to initiate pancreatic secretions because it thinks you're getting ready to eat it, right? You probably, some of you may have salivated while we were talking about it, right? All of those things are happening. Your body is responding as if it's getting food. So you're like, but Betty, I'm going to go to a place where they have enemies at the table. So the reality is if you're at a gigantic party or something else where they have food tables everywhere, don't hover over them and look at them Pick them apart and then pass judgment on yourself because you're picking them apart. Because, come on, let's face it, we all do it. We look at it, we're like, oh, I shouldn't have that. Oh, my God, I really want it. And then you're playing that game with yourself. Then all of a sudden we get a little bit of shame going. And then we either do one of two things. The devil on one side goes, forget it, do it anyway. And then the little angel on the other side is like, don't do it. You know you don't want it. Those two things occur too. And then we get into a mental game. And depending on how much your iron will is working, probably at night after you ran into the willpower gap, which is, you know, there's only so many decisions we can make and our willpower is stronger in the morning than it is at night. All of a sudden you get into the gap and then you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I just I forget it. I'm just going to do it and I'll deal with it. 
later, right? Later. So what you want to understand is when you're standing over things and doing that, you're going through those experiences, the anticipation neurotransmitter dopamine is kicking into high gear, your body's gearing up and it wants it, right? Just as much as a cocaine addict watching somebody cut it up and put it in a line is going to be like salivating and going through massive anticipation. So we don't want to invite the enemy to the table. We don't want to stand over the enemy at the table. The other thing about that too, the enemy at the table strategy is that also means don't go shopping at Costco for all the junk food you're going to use two weeks before you're going to use it or a week before you're going to use it, depending on what it is. I, I know sometimes people are like, hey, Betty, I got to get it in when I schedule works. But here's the thing is if it's not in the pantry or in the freezer or in the refrigerator, you can't eat it, right? And if you have those foods and you make them, you unload them on the people that come over, right? If you have foods that's not on the plan that you have decided to do for yourself. I'm not judging whether you should be on a diet, and I'm air quoting around that, because I don't really like diets, right? I like lifestyles, right? So if this bunch of food that you purchased is not in your lifestyle, give it away. Don't have it there, because again, you're fighting against your biology. Your biology is telling you, go eat that. Go get that. Go consume that food, because Famine is real and famine is our enemy and we have gone through it for millennia. Our body is hardwired to conserve. So my suggestion is, is when you can, don't have a bunch of that stuff highly accessible for a long period of time between the times that you're using it or making it, right? So make sure that you don't have the enemy at the table. One of the other things I think about too is when you go back to the buffet table, right? So lots of people have different strategies, moderation, a little bite of each, blah, blah, blah. So here's my strategy. Everybody's got one is see if this one works for you. Most of us have something that we really love at the holidays. I don't care if it's gluten-free, in my case, gluten-free stuffing. It's not as good as the real thing, but I haven't had the real thing in 20 years. But, you know, like from childhood, that was like my comfort food was gluten-free stuffing with gravy on it. Don't judge, right? And so like if I could have a really killer version of that gluten-free, that would be my, one of my top things I would want. Right. And the other thing might be, I don't know, sweet potatoes or whatever your story is. Maybe it's the turkey leg. Right. So when you go up to that table and you've got all the foods that your family members make and your aunt Sue brought her ever so special blah, 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 that she really wants you to eat. When you go up to the table with your plate, what my strategy is, is I want you to pick just the three things that you love. The three foods that you're like, oh, my God, these are the best. These are my absolute favorite. If I can only have three, these are the three I'm going to have and get a legitimate serving size. Right. Like so a half cup. You know, if it's a starch, a legitimate serving styles, put it on your plate and then get away from the table. Because again, standing over it makes it more likely for you to, you know, want to eat it, right? And some of us, hey, I got to break it to you. Some of us genetically have that hardwired way stronger than others, right? So if you're like, I never handle myself well, that's your genes talking, right? So some of us are different. So you got your plate you're at the buffet table, get away from it. The farther you get from it, the better it is because the less your eyes will drift back to it. And then I want you to sit down and I want you to relax into the relationship of whoever's sitting next to you, right? Because most of the time, like, again, my family's really small at this point. My mom's in an assisted living center, so we don't have this big Christmas thing. And actually, my preference is to do something and give back. Like sitting around and eating a bunch of food with my family doesn't necessarily get me going. I prefer to do something where I'm participating in giving gratitude in an acknowledgeable sort of way where I can really feel it and see it. Have you been feeling off? You know what? Your hormones might be out of whack. Take my quiz to discover your personalized hormone imbalance 
and get a free report with your results. Learn what's really going on with your hormones and start feeling like yourself again. Just visit the website quiz.hormoneshelp.com to take the hormone quiz now. So, but let's say you're sitting down with your family members, right? And maybe it's somebody you hadn't seen in forever. So before you dig into the plate, right? Before you dig into the plate, take a moment to number one, breathe. I like box breathing. Anybody can do it. It's inhaling for four counts, exhaling for four counts. Do that for 10 times. Chances are whoever's sitting next to you is talking, right? So you can turn to them. You can look at them, make eye contact, check in with them, and just do your breathing. You don't have to make it obvious. Here's two things that are going to happen. Your stress chemistry is going to come down. Your parasympathetic drive is going to come up, which means your body's ability to digest is going to be enhanced because it has to be in parasympathetic to do that. And hey, guess what? The person you're sitting next to is actually going to feel more connected to you because you didn't respond automatically with what you wanted to say. You just gave them airspace. Now, let's say it's somebody that has nothing to say. They don't, they don't do anything. Just take your 10 deep breaths. If they look at you and they go, what are you doing? Just say, hey, I'm just taking a moment to relax before I start eating, right? There's a hundred ways you can do this, right? You don't have to be afraid of being a spectacle. Most people aren't really worried about what you're up to. And if they are, it's a reflection on them because the thumb is pointing back at them. And they're trying to figure out whether they would do it or not, right? Your family's desire to pull you off your diet is all about them. It's not you, right? It's their insecurity and discomfort of, you know, they don't eat the way you do. They don't act the way you do. You know, let's say you're the healthy one in the family. It, when they pass judgment or say something or are constantly trying to sort of convince you one cookie do, yeah, one cookie will do a lot. Not to my waistline, it'll do a lot to my resolve. And so, you know, take that time to bring parasympathetic in, connect with your human next to you, and then I want you to eat the plate. Nice and slow, relaxed. And then I want you to sit there for a few minutes, 10 minutes ideally. Give a chance for your cephalic phase digestion to, to finish off, your digestion to start in the stomach, the stretching of the stomach and the hormones that kick in from the stomach going through its motions to tell your brain you ate, right? Some of us have very slow gut hormones that initiate kind of the full signal, right? So if I give it a few minutes, I'm gonna have a, a better chance of catching it. Now, if you're hungry and you still want something else, right? Now's the time to go back to the table and do the same thing. I've got three spots on my plate. Now you could do the three same things. You could do three new things. You could do two that you already did and a new one, whatever you want to do. Or maybe you're like, I don't even think I need that. I think I just need a, a one single serving of something. Cool. Do that. Right now, if you have a family member that comes up and says, Hey, you didn't try aunt Sue's pie yet. Just tell them, Hey, I'm just on round one. Right. You say that. And guess what? They probably won't ask you again. Right. So the peer pressure, the the pushiness, the family crap that comes up during holidays that might pull you off your game. Chances are they're not going to pay close attention to that after the very first time. You know, it's all just family dynamics. And hey, guess what? I don't know about you, but when I get around my family or the friends that I've known since I was a little bitty kid, you know, it feels like everything sort of starts to shift back like a, a Tetris game. Everything shifts back into the old dynamics to some degree. And a lot of it's because your parents probably still see you as a kid and family members that never see you have a hard time recognizing you've aged. And, you know, there's just all this weird stuff that happens. You know, like I said, I, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. I love my family, but sitting around a table and eating, I'd rather do something for somebody else like this year during Thanksgiving and even Christmas. 
my mom's in a little private assisted living center and we're going to go over there and take food and we've got stockings for the staff and we got presents for the, the people that live there. Now, granted, it's not a huge facility. I wouldn't be able to afford that. And we're going to take food over. And because for me, I'm like, there's probably people there that have nobody that visit. There's probably employees there that their entire family is somewhere else. Matter of fact, I know two of them are from Africa. Their entire family is still in Africa. So they don't get to go home, right? That feels so much better to do something lovely for somebody else. I've got plenty of abundance. I'm grateful. So I'm spending my life in that way. So, you know, the other thing is, is the next strategy is, you know, live with gratitude. And if there's an opportunity for you to tap into whatever makes you feel gratitude, that's what I care about. How do you feel gratitude? How do you feel about the experience? Not, did I, you know, did I do this, whatever it is, this particular soup kitchen or this particular angel tree or whatever. If you take an opportunity to have a little bit of gratitude where you feel it, right? And you get that experience. I think that is super important also is we want to live in gratitude because that's really what the holiday is about is being grateful. Yes, it is. It has religious overtones and all those other things. I don't want to get into a religious conversation because I have people of all different faiths on here. But every single faith has holidays during this season. Interesting, isn't it? And even though they may not all follow the same thing, but almost all of them have something at the same around the same time. But yes, there's the exper- experience of faith and all those other things. But the other side of it is about family. It's about gratitude. It's about giving back. It's about being present to, you know, the wonder and the beauty on the planet and how we have, get to be an active participant in it. That's awesome, right? That's awesome. So the next strategy or the second strategy is, is live in gratitude. All right. So the next one is know and go. What does that mean? Know and go. So the other thing is, is you probably don't have control of all the food in your holiday season because you are not cooking every single time. So that means you're probably going to restaurants, parties, events, and other things. So know and go is means that you need to do some recon before you get there, right? So you want to do some awareness about how do I navigate these environments where I have an idea of what I can and can't eat or do and go in with a plan, right? So most of the time, if it's a restaurant or event, you can get a little bit of a list of what the menu items will be. Like if it's a a sit-down dinner, an event, almost always that is prepared in advance. So you'll know, hey, maybe we have three courses and there's two choices. So there's a fish course and then a beef course, right? Well, maybe the fish course is pan seared with a berry blanc sauce. Okay, that would be a sign of a lot of calories of fat on the fish, right? So the keto people are like, sure, of course, killer, let's do it. And then other people might be like, oh my gosh, if I have that much fat, it's going to clog my arteries. And then another person says, well, I'm vegan, I can't eat fish, right? Okay, let's step out of all of those things that we might be worried about. If you don't know food prep activities, you may get sucked into things, right? So know and go means get a little bit prepared. And I have an entire course in my Hormone Reset Weight Loss Program for Women Over 40 that is how we navigate restaurants. Because the chicken, let's say you get chicken, broccoli, and a baked potato at a restaurant. What you make at home that looks the same is vastly different than what you're getting at the restaurant. You know, they've got many times the restaurant has, you know, chicken that has been marinated in a bunch of you know, hopefully a bunch of natural things, but a lot of times it's chemicals and flavor enhancers and sodium and other things. So it's got a lot more salt, makes it plumper, all those things. But most of the time they're basting in large amounts of butter. If you've ever watched a cooking show, watch them when they're pouring the butter over something that they've got in there, they're pan searing. 
it's like a half a cup of butter and they're floating it in there. Now, again, if you're a super keto and you're not going to eat any carbs, that may not make a difference, right? If you're fat adapted and you're able to burn fat well, it might make a difference. But the reality is if you're going to eat the baked potato too, you just got a double whammy of a bunch of starch and a bunch of fat because guess what? That baked potato probably has, you know, five servings of fat on it. A fat serving is a teaspoon, not a tablespoon, just to break it to you, right? It's 45 calories. So just, I'm not a calorie counter, but just it's an awareness thing, right? So if you take the opportunity to look on the menu, you can start to pick out what it is you're going to eat that still adheres to your experience, what you want. This is about what you want, how you want to feel about yourself the next day. What are your goals? What are the things that you want to hear? And what are the things that you want to feel about yourself? Right. Again, I'm not passing judgment. If you're like, forget it, I don't really want to eat well during the holidays, then don't. But what I find most of my clients say is they feel this like being pulled in two directions. And it's more so that the enjoyment of whatever it was they had was so short lived by the shame, guilt or whatever it is they're feeling the next day that it doesn't seem like it's worth it. So I'm like, okay, let's know and go. Let's take an opportunity to make some plans so I don't just get there and either get sucked into what's going on or make an attempt at it and maybe end up not feeling good. Because I can tell you, like, I don't want to eat to where I feel overly full and uncomfortable because that makes me just feel nasty. You know, not necessarily judging myself, but I don't want to spend hours of my day feeling nasty. I have, you know, I, I kind of feel like this age, I've got this sort of time clock. Not that I'm fearful of getting older and aging, but I'm like, I have so much that I want to do in my life and so many things I want to experience. I don't want to take four hours out of my day to feel like crap. You know, I just don't. And so, you know, taking that opportunity and knowing and going is really important. The next one is going to be prepare and pamper, right? So prepare means Obviously, know and go and prepare and pamper sound like they might have some crossover. I'm not here on the prepare. I'm not talking about preparing food. I'm not talking about preparing to go to a party. What I am talking about is prepare yourself for the gauntlet. The holidays are the gauntlet. And we're not, we were like halfway through them, but we're not done, right? So that means that you might need to sit down and become a little more organized. You might need to sit down and put things on a calendar if you don't use a calendar. It might mean that you need to you know, get up a half hour early so you can prepare a snack because you're going to be out all day. Or it might be you need to rearrange your workout schedule because there's something almost every damn night between you, your kids, your family, and everything else. And so maybe you need to start working out at night because you usually work out after work. The prepare part is how you keep your structure in your life because most people let the structure that keeps their life functioning, they let it go. And the problem is, is when you let go of those habitual things that you do by saying, oh, I'm just going to let it go during the season and I'll get back at it afterwards. The problem is, is most of us don't get back at it or the back at it takes months to get back in gear. And so at the end of the day, you lose all this time and where you're coming out of the holidays is way worse than if you had just kept that preparation and done a little bit of forethought, right? So that prepare. The pamper side of that is you need to take care of yourself, right? So that doesn't mean, you know, that everybody has time to go have three hours of a facial and a massage at some really fancy swanky spa. But what it does mean is we need to take time to do some pampering things to you, right? Whatever it is to you, I find that doing breath work right? Doing breath work, taking just a few minutes a day to do a little bit of breath work or doing a little bit of meditation or, you know, slipping in very quickly to get a hand and foot massage somewhere, 
any number of things can be pampering, right? Because when your stress chemistry is really, really high, you got to do things to bring it down. And bringing it down means you got to do something to drive parasympathetic. Breath work helps you do that. Meditation helps you do that. Yoga, doing a couple yoga poses before bed, legs up the wall, and, and a couple other just calming, relaxing poses can help pamper you a little bit. So you bring down that stress chemistry, you feel a little more balanced, and you are able to kind of live into this experience. The next one is move, right? Move and meditate, right? So we got to move more just as humans. We were designed to kind of slowly chase our food and move around and do things. And we're much more sedentary today because most of us are knowledge workers or a lot of us are knowledge workers where we sit at a desk all day and that's kind of what we do. So again, most of the time we have a very difficult time getting all of our scheduled things in when we have competing requirements, but you can do little things. And I, everybody's heard these before, but it always goes without saying it's good to hear them again, doing things like parking further away taking the stairs rather than the elevator, you know, taking five minutes to pick up the kettlebell and just do kettlebell squats for a few minutes or do jumping jacks or knee raises. You know, I do those between appointments when I can because I sit literally, literally, because when I am with my patients and clients, most of my visits are a minimum an hour and many times they're an hour and a half to two hours because we're covering a bunch of ground on labs because my skill set is really, let me explain everything going on with your biochemistry and that's what my team does at my clinic. And so I'm sitting for a really long period of time and then I'm gonna go get somebody out of the waiting room or get back on you know, my virtual platform and do it again. So I need just a few minutes of break. So I just try and get some movement in wherever I can. And when I'm doing that, I'm trying to also regulate my breath, so I do a little bit of meditative breath, right? Meditative breath work. Now, if you're not into meditation, right? Like some people can't sit and listen to their breath and stay focused. Guess what? Nobody actually can. Just having a moment of no thoughts is like an act of just extraordinary effort, right? Because our brain is designed to kind of run amok and talk to ourselves. One of the things that I love, and it's uh, Vishen Lakhiani's uh, six-phase meditation from Mind Valley. You can pick up the Mind Valley app. I don't have any affiliation with them. I'm not an affiliate. I just happen to really like that meditation. It's, I think it's just shy of 30 minutes. And I do that a lot in the morning because it, it walks me through a visualization of gratitude and love and all these other experiences. So it's meditative, but it also gives my brain something to visualize and focus on. Everybody has a different vibe there. If you don't like a particular type of meditation, there is another version for you, I promise. But trying to get some movement, trying to get some meditation, trying to get just a little bit of centering in. The next strategy is own your no, right? So there's not a whole lot of tactics here because that one's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm going to give you a few, right? Own your no means using no. A no is a one-word sentence. You don't need to clarify it in any way, right? So if you get roped into making cookies for the PTA or roped in to being the host of the holiday party for the entire street and you didn't want to do it, it's on you to say no, right? It's not the other people's fault because the thing is, is we get mad. We get mad at everybody around us when we gave up our autonomy and said yes to something we don't want to do. If, and if you don't think so, watch yourself, right? If you said yes to something you didn't want to do and you're in the middle of preparing for it or doing it, everybody else is, you're cranky, right? And you're not cranky with them. It's not their fault. They were just looking for somebody else to make, make them do it, right? And you said yes when you didn't want to, right? So if we own our no, if we absolutely say, no, I, you know, I can't, no, 
right? Now, for those of you, hey, I've lived in the South, I've lived in Kentucky, Tennessee, and I live in Texas now. In Texas, we can't say no, we have to say why, right? <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. But one of the other phrases I learned in corporate America a long time ago works really well because it's sophisticated sounding. People have to stop and think and they'll usually be quiet for a few moments. But you can use a sophisticated sounding one. I'm sorry, that's not something I can prioritize at this time, which works really well. Right. I'm sorry, I cannot prioritize that at this time. Right. So don't say yes to things you don't want to do. Right. Because that just ruins the whole experience for you. Let's face it. And it adds to your stress and it adds to everything else. So if we own our no, and owning our no is a muscle. The more we flex and use that muscle, just like a muscle in the gym, the better we get at it. Doesn't make you bitchy. It doesn't make you rude. It doesn't make you, you know, not a good woman. What it does is make you powerful because you, you kept your autonomy and your agency. You got to make a decision about what you spent your time, your body, your mind, and everything else doing. Right. And when we give that up, we get pissed about it. And then the last one that I want to talk about is just taking a step back and really recognizing that regardless of if you think of the holidays as a scoreboard, because I usually get kind of the scoreboard thing. This went really great. This went really bad. I fell off the wagon here. This didn't really work for me. All of those things. This is time. This is your time. We can get back resources, you know, money. We get we get a lot of feelings around scarcity around money. But guess what? You can earn more right? We can get more. We can give it away. We can get more. Money is energy, right? It is in its own way almost infinite because there's ways to circulate it and get it back, right? All those things, resources, uh, stuff, right? Stuff. Stuff is stuff. But time is something you can't get back, right? And what most people wish for during this holiday, if they pull away all the material goods, is that they had more time with the people they love. They had more time with themselves to experience the joy and beauty and everything else that happens to be going on and express your faith or whatever those stories are, whatever those things are that really make you feel grounded and loved. Time is limited, right? Now, depending on how you believe things, we have chronos time and we have sort of this infinite time when you're in flow states, time seems to slow. Right. So all of that being true. So if somebody's into metaphysical things, there's that. But the reality is time we can't get back. And so what I really want here is for us to not spend time fretting about things that make us feel bad about ourselves. Right. About making choices we didn't want to make or falling off the wagon or whatever story you want to call it. I don't want to spend time wishing my holiday was different. I don't want to spend time wishing that I didn't say yes to that when I did. I want to spend my time doing the things I love with the people I love. Because at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, that's all that matters. All the rest of the stuff is complete bullshit, right? Nobody, you've heard it before, nobody's on their deathbed going, oh my gosh, I wish I worked more, invested more in my 401k, and, you know, had better, you know, Birkin bags. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is whether they were a good human being and whether they were loved and were able to love, right? And they want more of that. So that's what the holidays to me are about. Yes, express your faith because that's part of that. But I think the other part of it is we put too much commercial strain on this experience and it makes us feel terrible. And most of us throw our hands up from November 1st or maybe a few weeks before when we start picking up Halloween candy and we blow it all the way off until mid-January. Some people all the way past Valentine's because of course that holiday is right on the heels of it. 
And then we're mad at ourselves because we're no longer taking care of ourselves with the lifestyle, you know, exercise and care plan that we wanted to. And that's what I find frustrating is we shouldn't have to lose a quarter of our year to this like gauntlet of commercialism that has taken over holidays. So, all right. I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, if you heard it and you're like, those are some nuggets. I need to do something about that. A, number one, take those down and put them in a in action and b share this podcast with a friend because truly podcasting's work i freaking love doing it and i love giving information i love having great guests and the more people listen to the podcast the better we are able to do those things and if you haven't hit the subscribe button in whatever listening device you use whether it's apple or spotify or amazon music please hit subscribe because that also helps that helps us sort of move up the rank it helps everybody know that this is a great podcast and it helps other people find us. So thank you for listening to Menopause Mastery and I'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com. 